On a football Friday driven by your local Honda dealer, it's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. Yeah, that football Friday driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer and Anthony Haney. Uh, you need some ruggedness today out there in the streets. The Something as reliable as a Honda, if you will. I see now you're. You I turned it. on the wrong. Well, I turned on the right mic, but it was in the wrong. Uh, wrong mode. Yeah, wrong mode. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're the snow. It's too early in the show for a fine. That's that's we're gonna blame Essek on that one. Yeah, and even if it's not, if it's Denton's fault, then we can yell at him at four thirty when he joins us because Denton's also very locked in on college football, and mock draft season is officially here. It is indeed. It is indeed. But I would say it's probably Essek because he uses two mics as opposed to one mic. Why does he use two mics? Uh, for some reason, he doesn't like to use the talkback button here, so he uses both mics. Interesting. Yeah, to talk to. Matt Essex is an interesting character. Yes, he is. Then again, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Uh, so here's what we got today. Uh, Denton Day, uh, who's, of course, producer uh, for us here at Team 980, every single weekday on the Kevin Sheehan Show, but is also a fine broadcaster in his own right, uh, who has done a lot of work with Sirius XM College football coverage. Um, he is going to join us. Uh, it, Daniel Jeremiah put out his, his mock draft 1.0, which I'm using to kick off as officially mock draft season is here. You'll remember if you've been with us for a long time, we do a segment we call Mock the Mock, where we kind of make fun of the mock drafts, uh, which is very fun at this point in the calendar um, because nobody knows anything. We're, they're going to change so much. Um, but it, we kind of came up with it midway through last draft season because some of the mock drafts were stupid. Uh, but we, it gives us a kind of a fun way to look, uh, have some lighthearted fun with the fact that we're projecting this draft four months out. But in reality, it's also, I think, at this point in the calendar, a great way to kind of acquaint ourselves with the names that we're going to be talking about, not just for the commanders, because there's a very small number when you're picking as high as Washington is, uh, but all the, all the names that will be kind of the center of attention over the next four months uh we start though today with some quick thoughts on ben johnson ben johnson is the lions offensive coordinator who is interviewing i think this evening virtually it's at some point today but i do believe it's this evening uh after the lions have gone home for the day about uh, or for the washington commander's open head coaching job very simply he is the universal number one ranked candidate on the market. That does not mean he is inherently the best candidate on the market. There have been many head coach candidates that do not work out as head coaches, and that could be because they aren't up to the job. It could be because they wind up taking a job that was not a good fit for them, and they have bad luck, uh, they were overrated, whatever the reason is, there's, there's dozens of reasons why uh, head coach candidates don't work out. And I would also argue that especially in this cycle, there are probably different definitions for best candidate available depending on who your job is or what your job is. For instance, do I want Bill Belichick here in Washington? Absolutely not. Do I want Eric Bieniemy here in Washington? Absolutely not. I don't think those are rebuild candidates. If I am Atlanta, I am extremely interested in both men. I know that if I can get decent quarterback play, which for me, if I'm Atlanta, means trading for Justin Fields um, or signing some other veteran uh, free agent, but probably probably signing 
uh, or trading for Justin Fields, that I, I could be pretty successful because they have a great roster. If I'm in Los Angeles and I've got Justin Herbert under contract um, and I need to make some things work defensively, a guy like Belichick is, is tremendously intriguing. Mike Vrabel is more intriguing if I am ready to win right now than I am in a rebuild. Not that those candidates would not have some things to offer here and not that a guy like Ben Johnson wouldn't have anything to offer and couldn't win right now in those other situations. Just what you are looking for will depend on what you are looking for. And not all of these jobs are the same. Every head coaching job is a little bit different. And for Washington, with a blank slate, I think a guy like Ben Johnson is the number one guy. There are others that I would also be extremely happy with. We talked about Raheem Morris yesterday. Um, The more I read and the more I hear about Morris uh, the more I would be thrilled if, if they wound up going that direction. Uh, Mike McDonald from Baltimore is certainly interesting. Uh, Bobby Slowick from Houston is certainly interesting to me. But I think Johnson has a distinct way of thinking about the game based off what we see from him. And everyone you talk to behind the scenes says, this dude's got it. This dude is dynamic. This dude has what it takes to be a leader. He understands roster construction, which you'll actually hear from his boss in just a moment. But when it comes to like offensive football and the building an identity, he strikes the toughness tone that I is a must. And from a more schematic standpoint, like nobody ran the football more from under center this year than the Detroit lions. Now, Jared Goff operates pretty well from under center, um, but also, so he knows how to play to his quarterback strengths. But I think more generally, like that led to an extremely effective play action game where they, I think also led the league in play and touchdowns off play action pass. They understand how to marry their run in their pass game, which is something that I've been begging offensive coordinators in Washington to do for years. I have never understood why you think faking a run play that you don't actually run will get the desired impact from the defense of a, of a fake. Like the whole point is to, like if I never shoot with my left hand, Every once in a while, if we're playing one-on-one, could I get you to, to bite on a pump fake if I fake a, you know, a left-handed shot? Maybe. But if like I'm standing at the three-point line and, and I pump fake with my left and I'm right-handed, you're probably just going to be like, okay, shoot it. Go ahead. You're not going to get any reaction. And the same is true on a more macro level, on a, on a bigger level because it's 11-on-11, 11 11, with play action. And like he understands that. That fundamental cohesive vision of how to play is the kind of person that I want running my football team. I also like someone who has been introspective, taken time, learned, developed themselves as uh, a better coach with an eye on the future. And Dan Campbell uh, actually talked today, the Lions head coach, about Ben Johnson coming back for this final year when he could have left for a head coaching job last year. I think it's made him a better coach. You know, yeah, he's grown as a coordinator, got a little bit better. You learn things as you would being in that position again. But I, but I think, yes, there's that. But I think it's made him more rounded, well-rounded coach. Um, I just think everything has grown. Um, I think he's got a very good grasp of what we do, roster management. I think when, when you do that and, and you get in that and it's like, okay, there could be a next step. I'm not ready for that. In my head, I don't want to do that yet. Yes, I'm a better coordinator, but it's also, he knows he's starting to look for and ask these questions um, about those roster, game day, um, 
building a team, what you're looking for, front of the room. Um, you know, and I think that's it's served him well, and it's a credit to him. And but not many people would do that. And but that's how he viewed it. It's an experience for him. Um, it's a chance to grow, and it's a chance to grow with people that he appreciates being around. Those players, the coaches, everybody in this building. That's the kind of guy I want. Dan Campbell's not available, so I'll take the guy that he's talking about. I'll take Ben Johnson any day of the week. Um, it's pretty simple. Like as a as a coordinator, if you've never been a head coach. You don't know what you don't know. You see all the head stuff the head coach does for you. You see all the stuff the head coach does for the team when you're involved. But you don't know what he's doing when he's, when he's in his office working on other stuff. So go ask. And Ben Johnson has taken the time to ask. And I think someone who's that inquisitive, that much uh, or appreciates that larger picture understanding of what's going on within a football operation is the exact right kind of guy to be a head coach in this league. And one thing I will say about Mike McDonald, this is this is a question, not a negative, is McDonald, you know, one of the other guys that's getting interviews, and including here, is Anthony Weaver, the defensive line coach. Weaver also has the assistant head coach title. And so I wonder how much a guy like McDonald could probably stand to do exactly what Ben Johnson did. Hey, stay one more year with an eye on being a head coach next year and really learning. Now, he might have known, hey, if I have a good year, like I think I, I could be the next guy. And he might have already started that. Or John Harbaugh might be great at mentoring, and you don't got to worry about that. But when you talk about these younger coaches versus a guy like Johnson who took that extra year kind of as a study year, obviously he's doing his job at a very high level as an OC, but also studying to become a head coach. Raheem Morris has been a head coach. Dan Quinn has been a head coach. You know, do these young guys know what it takes and, and will or are they smart enough to overcome it? I think those are the kinds of things that are that are very interesting uh, and why some younger coaches sometimes struggle. Um, but you don't know what you don't know. And the fact that Ben Johnson was like, let me find out, uh, I think is pretty fascinating and, and a great, great sign of why he is the number one guy on most people's list around the league as a potential head coach. And certainly he's the number one guy on my list as well, even if I think there are plenty of other good names on it. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. When we get back, the first big mock draft of the season, Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft 1.0 is out. Who does he have the commanders taking at two? We'll tell you if you haven't seen it. Next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. If you can't get can't just get going, Ant, with some passion pit on a Friday, then I don't I don't really know what uh, what we got for you. It's crazy because every time you're about to come back from break, the mm-hmm. words start the words and the song start going, and then you start talking. Like, you don't dang. think that I do that on purpose? I don't know. Sometimes, here's Maybe. the thing: the people, the people might not know about me. Um, by the way, we're streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980 as well. You can watch the show there uh, most of the time, all three hours today, just two fifteen, uh, as we have Georgetown hoops tonight on the Team 980. But people might not know Anthony about me is that uh, your boy has a music radio background. Like I can, I know how to hit a post. I know how to how to talk over an intro. I know how to hit a, hit a song, you know, right when I, right when I want to, um, yeah, 
they didn't they didn't uh, name me general manager at Z eighty nine in Syracuse for nothing. I'm just saying, I in, my first two ra- internships in radio were in top forty music. Oh wow! And like you, Did you know that about me? I didn't know your first. I know you were in music. I didn't know your first two radio gigs were. Yeah, actually, in top forty. My music. actually, even my That's first cool. my first professional radio job was. Uh, I, I did a midday sports talk show and here's a fun story. Um, I'll make this quick cause I know people care less about this and more about the mock draft, but in the interest of fun story time, which who doesn't love a good story. Um, th- so I, I did a midday sports talk radio show, uh, on a station in Lawrence, Kansas, um, KLWN, which is like an AM station. You could only hear it in like inside the Lawrence city limits. Um, but it was the, like the flagship home of. KU basketball and everything. So like it was, it was the news talk station. Um, it is kind of like your classic small town radio thing. I also anchored election coverage. So, um, you know, when, when we had that back in, oh God, that would have been the 2012 election. Um, so I anchored election coverage that night, uh, which was not just like national elections, but, uh, you know, obviously all the local elections, yada, yada, yada. Um, so did that covered a season of Charlie Weiss, KU football, but, uh, afternoon drive, my first ever afternoon drive gig, I was the music jock on our music station in the same cluster that had massive reach. Like you could listen to that station in Kansas city. We had a, a pretty big, like 45 minutes away and you could list drive through downtown Kansas city. And we were competing with the pop stations in Kansas city. Um, and they made me use different names. They wouldn't let me just be me. And so they were like, you need to pick a different name for the music station. And I was like, this is dumb. They're like, you have to, like, we won't let you. Um, and I was like, okay. So I picked KJ, which in my head stood for kiss. Cause we were kiss FM kiss jock, like as in disc jockey. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is the most generic name I can think of. Well, it also still is kind of cool on the radio. Um, but it was my little form of protest because I hated the fact they wouldn't just let me be me. It's like, yeah, I know sports and I know music. What you gonna do about it? All right, KJ. Yeah, I should have told you that. Ever. <laughs> I shouldn't have told anybody that. I just realized I, I created a weapon against myself. Yes, you did. Um, but yeah, that was a form of protest, is what that was. Uh, all right, so Denton Day is gonna join us in a few minutes. Uh, Denton, uh, resident in-house college football expert here at the Team 980. But we have Anthony Haney, a mock draft. Dun, 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 dun. Although I should have probably done NFL Network's music because uh, it's NFL Network. Uh, and and their uh, lead draft analyst, Daniel Jeremiah, who has the Chicago Bears at number one. And by the way, we do a seg- we call this segment Mock the Mock because we kind of make a little fun of the mock drafts. Uh, although at this point, we're really, we don't have, know enough yet to do too much. Uh, at this point, we're in the learning phase. So it's really learn the mock. Um, Chicago Bears taking Caleb Williams at one. And I do think it's interesting that they interviewed Cliff Kingsbury yesterday um, to be their offensive coordinator, potentially. Like Cliff, <laughs> my, my friend Jane Coaston uh, at the New York Times, uh, who's done a bunch of sports work as well. She's, she said, I think Cliff Kingsbury has taken being extremely good looking to its absolute end. Because what results does he have? I mean, this dude was winning, what, seven games a year at Texas Tech with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback? 
He goes to the NFL, doesn't really go great. This year, like, USC way underperformed. And now it's like, hey, we got we to gotta get Caleb's guy out there to, in Chicago to be the OC. Maybe. We'll see. I mean, Cliff's, Cliff's smart for sure, but I don't think he's – If I let me just put it this way. He wouldn't be my choice at OC uh, if, I was, if I was trying to maximize Caleb Williams as the number one overall pick. But maybe they've got to convince Caleb to go to Chicago, and that's the only way they feel like they can do it. Uh, Washington at two. He's got him taking Drake May. Um, Drake is an interesting, interesting prospect. He has prototypical size. He's got a cannon of an arm. Um, and everybody that watches him doesn't seem to be that impressed anyway. It's like, there's a little bit of like, you know, some, some years, you know, like, oh, this guy's, I'm trying to think of names. I mean, this happened a little bit with Sam Howell, but that was like one mock draft that got, that had Sam at number one. And then a bunch of people went crazy and were like, oh my God, how'd he fall to the fifth round? He was the number one pick if he came out after his junior year. And it's like, not really. Um, cause one mock draft had him that high, but a lot of people did have him in the first round, but like, remember Jake Locker back in the day, Ant? that name ring yep. a bell, yep. old Washington quarterback. Yep. If that dude had come out after his junior year, he was number one in every mock draft. He goes back to be a senior. He winds up going 10 and then he has a pretty nasty concussion, uh, and, and never really pans out in the league, um, amongst the other factors. But certainly that was the, the biggest one. He retired very early, but like there's these kind of foregone conclusion guys where it's like all year it's been may and williams may and williams may and williams and really williams and may williams and may williams and may and then like you get to the process and all of a sudden it's like wait why did everyone think it's these two guys and there's a lot of people that feel that way about williams as well because he's never on time he is he is patty mahomes running around make a play type of guy um may can do some of that stuff too but he's just this and i think people look at may and it's like he's prototypical everything except for the actual stuff you need to be good at quarterback um, where he's a more of a mixed bag. It's not like he's big size, big arm, quick release, everything. And then he actually sucks. He doesn't suck by any stretch of the imagination, but the decision-making and stuff is, is definitely um, I think a little more up in the air. Um, Jaden Daniels goes three to new England uh, in this mock draft from Daniel Jeremiah, which leaves Marvin Harrison Jr. going four. I think this is possible, but is is definitely feels like someone would would want to come up uh, for Harrison. And then he's got uh, to round out the top ten quickly, and then we'll break and come back and talk more draft with Denton. Uh, Roma Dunze, the Was- Washington wide receiver, uh, Malik Neighbors, uh, the uh, LSU wide receiver. So. The first six picks are three quarterbacks, three receivers. Crazy. Then Joe Alt, the Notre Dame tackle to Tennessee. Uh, Dallas Turner, the edge out of Alabama to Atlanta at eight. Chicago, their second pick, their natural selection. Jared Verse, who's another edge rusher uh, who would go across from Montez Sweat. Uh, And then the Jets have uh, Talisie Fuanga, who's another tackle. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, Olu Fashanu, who a lot of people think is the best tackle in this draft, he's fallen all the way to 13 to the Raiders. He says teams, this is he being Daniel Jeremiah, teams are split on Fashanu. They took a step back in 2023 after a dominant 2022. Uh, and then the next quarterback coming off the board is New Orleans has Bo Nix at 14. I think Nix is a guy that is going to climb boards. He might wind up being QB4 um, in this draft. Uh, I was reading... 
Uh, Lance Zerline's right up on him today, uh, who's the NFL.com's like lead draft guy. He does like if you go to NFL.com and read a draft profile on a player, as we've all done, and we're searching the combine stats and it's like scouting report. Lance Zerline is the guy that writes that. Um, he says that if you just ignore the Auburn tape and like that guy is dead, the guy that he was at Auburn is dead, and just look at his Oregon tape, like there's not a lot not to like. So I think Bo Nix is going to wind up driving, uh, going up draft boards, especially if he can convince teams in interviews that, like, hey, the quarterback that I was at Oregon is the guy I am now. What they asked me to do at Auburn was different. That's not that's not who I'm going to be in the NFL. All right, uh, Denton Day is going to join us next. Uh, of course, you know him from the Kevin Sheehan Show and hosted nights, weekends, etc. cetera, uh, between 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980, but also big time on SiriusXM's college football uh, programming. So Denton will join us next. What does he think? Of these top quarterbacks, who would he take for Washington at number two as someone who actually has an opinion, has watched the college tape? Denton joins us next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980, where if you're watching, you see a, uh, a lovely beanie on, on the head of Denton Day. Uh, what's <laughs> up, buddy? How are you? I'm good, but can you name the character on the beanie? No, I can't. I, like, I honestly, I probably couldn't anyway, but, uh, oh, that's that's a Dragon Ball Z character, but I haven't watched it Dragon, is Dragon Ball Z, Ball Z. That's close 25 enough. years. I think that's a win for you. Oh, Anthony just gave gave me the answer. Gohan. <laughs> it is Gohan. It's Super nice Saiyan Nice job, Gohan. Anthony. I'm proud of you. Hey, good job by <laughs> Anthony Haney. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to claim to take credit. Uh, like I just remembered something that I, I did watch Dragon Ball Z as a kid. Just, I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Um, anyway, uh, we don't have you on to talk Dragon Ball Z characters. We do have you on to talk college prospects. Of course, so many of you know Denton, uh, as the producer of the Kevin Sheehan show and as someone who hosted our Burgundy and Gold game day, uh, live show and, and has hosted overtime and, and all the different things on 106.7, the fan, the team 980, but he's also a big part of what Sirius XM does on the college football side of of things so uh daniel jeremiah just put out his mock draft he's got drake mm -hmm. may going number two to washington do you have an early favorite of of these top quarterbacks and for you like what is the group is it williams everybody else williams may williams may daniels like how how deep is your top echelon of qbs uh, my, my top echelon is three I, i've been privy to Jaden daniels since probably about october just because i loved watching him play at, at lsu so i would definitely include him in that top three, I, I still think as of now, he is my preference. Now, over the next couple of days and weeks, Craig, I, I'm going to start like really honing in on Drake May because I watch a lot more of, of Jane Daniels than I did Drake May this year. So I'm much more familiar with his game versus some of the UNC games. Either they just weren't playing great teams. The games maybe weren't as relevant as some of those SEC games uh, that Jane Daniels was playing in. But I, I loved watching him. And what you could see with him um, – Against Missouri, he got hurt, misses a series, comes back in, and then there was a very big difference in the way that he played. Everyone is going to say, well, he puts himself in danger. Well, after that Missouri game, he kind of stopped doing that. So, so he, he gets hurt. He kind of learns from it. There was a potential of him not playing the next week. He does play, and then his game shifted, and it shifted for the better. He was still a threat with his legs, but I was really impressed by the way he was able to adapt early in the season. So – I saw – I'm hesitant to bring up this name today because he is doing other things on Twitter that I don't care to mention at all. Uh, but I saw a comparison of Jaden as a runner to RG3. Yeah. 
um, <laughs> that he's more of a straight line guy, less of an elusive guy. Like who is, you know, I, I also read a scouting report that was like Jaden Daniels is the rare dual threat guy. That's actually great at both of them. So I've, I've mm-hmm. seen a little bit of everything. Like how do you compare the style of Jaden Daniels as a runner and, and how big of an impact is that part of his game in the NFL from like the RG three to the Lamar Jackson scale of, you know, elusiveness and, and ability to actually do this over time. I do wonder if Jaden gets compared to RG3 if it wasn't for the extracurriculars going on on Twitter over the past couple of days, because I look at him as much more of a Lamar Jackson style of runner when it comes to being able to to stop on a dime a little bit more easy um, than what Robert Griffin was able to do. So I look at him much more similarly to Lamar. And even from a skill set standpoint, there was a really good deep ball, which was something Lamar had in his bag Um coming out of college so i think i think of those two guys as better comparisons rather than Jaden and robert griffin uh dent day is with us of course producer of the kevin sheehan show and a part of sirius xm uh college football coverage uh may is i, I know you haven't gone deep on him yet but mm-hmm. like what is what is the thing that makes him so tantalizing that that he was the number two guy in the eyes of most people behind caleb williams all year uh, he's one, he's tall. Uh, I think height is a huge factor with him. He's about six, four and he can, uh, I mean, the ease that he makes certain throws, which in college, I'm sure, you know, the, the field is set up a little differently and the ball is, is placed a little differently. So some of the throws uh, are in college are actually a little longer than you would anticipate in the NFL, but he didn't really have issues with some of those far hash throws, which is really impressive. And when you, when you look at that UNC roster, they're not nearly as talented as like a USC was or like an LSU was. So he was doing it with a little lesser guys, guys that maybe aren't going to be playing as frequently on Sundays, but some of the throws he was making, I mean, there, there didn't seem to be windows that were too tight for him. It was really, really impressive, and his footwork is really, really strong as long as he's consistent with it, and then you add an element of athleticism. So think of maybe a more a, a more confident runner of, of Sam Howe, right? Like when Sam ran a little bit, there was – sometimes it felt like he, he didn't have his legs fully under him at times this year. I think Drake May is a much more confident runner. Um, so I've – in the small sample size of things that I've seen from him, and I did watch him this year, but in the small sample size, you you see some things where you're like, all right, I understand why scouts and teams are going to fall in love with him. And I think as they look at more film and as they get to meet the kid, I think you're going to fall more and more in love with him. He comes from a really good family, a sports family. I think that's going to help him in this process. Yeah, and I was watching a little bit of stuff on him earlier, and Colt McCoy was doing a breakdown, and he threw – like a far hash slot fade so like balls on the left hash and you know slot receiver to the right and that's kind of like in the nfl you're throwing that to the outside but there's a lot more space to to miss um and he he didn't miss and so the things like that i think are going to be really interesting in the interview process but they're going to dissect the hell out of his tape so it's going to be interesting where are you at on on caleb williams like is he your number one guy overall or are you like actually a fan like if if uh chicago takes williams you're like sick now we get steak daniels or you know maybe may at the end but daniels is is actually your number one guy yeah i'm way more comfortable with the other two guys now than i thought i was going to be especially at the start of the season caleb is still number one i think there's some tendencies with him that you would love to coach into somebody that he already has so so i think he brings some skill sets to the nfl immediately that make life a little easier. The, the one downside with him, and this is what it kind of came to me at the, at the midpoint of the season. 
I do think there were elements of his game this year where he really liked leaning into the ideas that he was playing Mahomes-esque. So, so I think he looked off like very early reads in order to do the thing where he dances around in the pocket, similar to what we see Mahomes do, and then come up with a big play rather than just something that I'll pick up a couple of yards, you live to see the next down, and keep the chain moving. And and we know that works in college, especially in the, in the beginning of the season when you're playing lesser opponents. But as the opponents got better, when you start looking at Utah, which had great pass rushers, and Notre Dame, which had great pass rushers and really good defenses, those plays were a little more hard to come by. So I think he he leaned into that a little too much this season. So I do think there are going to be some teams that knock him for that. But I do still see him as the number one overall quarterback. Yeah, his talent is otherworldly. So is his lack of ability to not be on schedule. You're just like, yeah, dude, can you do anything on time? Like, it's crazy. I mean, that's kind of how Mahomes was at Texas Tech. And I do think it's interesting that I, I was mentioning this in the last segment, Denton, like, Kingsbury getting this interview with Chicago. I'm like, what? What? Like, what are we doing with Cliff? Is there anybody that has made more money from just being in the right place? Like, oh, we saw him out to dinner once with Sean McVay. Here's the head coaching job of the Arizona Cardinals after you had just gotten fired at Texas Tech, and for two his weeks, alma mater, where he was a legend. Right, and he was for two weeks like the offensive coordinator at USC, never coached there, and then all of a sudden he gets a head coaching job, and then he goes back to USC to hang out with Caleb Williams for a year, and now he might get an OC job in the NFL. That man, I don't know what he's done or like if he's involved in witchcraft or something, but it's working. Yeah, I mean, good, good for him. Good for Cliff. Uh, possibly bad for all the people that are working for him, but, you know, <laughs> uh, good for Cliff. Last thing uh, for you, sir, Denton Day with us here on a Friday edition of the Hoffman Show. Uh, outside of quarterback, is there anybody that's intriguing, or are you already firmly planted in team, you better take a freaking quarterback at two because you need one? You definitely got to take a quarterback at two because you need one. But in looking at Jeremiah's mock draft, he's the first guy that I had seen that had the first six players be wide receiver and quarterback. And I do think that benefits the commanders. If you want to, you know, potentially look at that, that Chicago pick that you got for Montez sweat. And maybe there's a really good offensive lineman that is going to in a regular year, be a first round guy that's available in that early second round because of the fire sale on wide receivers and quarterbacks, or you do kind of what you do with Montez sweat a couple of years ago, where you trade back into the late first round yeah. and, and get somebody. So there are a couple, there are a couple of really good tackles that I think are going to be available. If everybody and their mother decides to, to go quarterback or wide receiver early in the first round. For sure. And I'm also curious to see what the second wave of quarterbacks, like what happens there. Um, I said, this is the highest I've seen Bo Nix uh, at, at yeah. QB4. Um, you know, everyone I think had Penix and, uh, and McCarthy above him. I know when um, uh, Matt Miller did his, like he had McCarthy top 10. Uh, so that was, yeah. that was a while ago at this point. And, you know, we'll see how that develops over time, but it is gonna be pretty fascinating to see that, that next trio of quarterbacks, uh, Penix, Knicks and, and McCarthy, how they fare, especially if there's that early one, two, three run where everyone gets scared, um, and, right. and how the commanders and Adam Peters play that will be pretty, pretty fascinating. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll do this many times over the next couple of months. Uh, Denton, thank you, sir. Uh, thanks for bringing the, the stylish beanie uh, to the program <laughs> and uh, have a great weekend. Yeah, appreciate it, Greg. Thanks, man. All right. That is Denton Day with us here on the Hoffman Show. When we get back, uh, we will take a look 
at the biggest news of the day in the NFL non-playoff category. We do have a head coaching hire, uh, and then we will talk to Tim Twentyman at uh, 5 p.m. Tim is the Lions uh, or a writer for Lions.com who uh, is excellent at what he does and can give us a lot more insight on Ben Johnson. So all of that's still to come, uh, but first a look at what's trending. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And we are streaming live on a football Friday driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience, power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. Tim Twentyman will join us coming up at the top of the hour from Lions.com on the day that the Commanders are interviewing Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson for their head coaching job. Uh, He is, according to multiple reports, the favorite for this job. Um, He's got ties to Chris or to the Spielman family. Chris is the Lions president. Uh, Rick is the advisor. Uh, They are brothers. Uh, Rick, the advisor that Josh Harris hired. So, Uh, It's certainly going to be interesting to see how that interview goes and and what potentially comes out. I will say one thing that is interesting, Anthony, uh, before we talk about Antonio Pierce, is there have been no leaks. Josh Harris runs a tight ship. And it's so funny because I don't think Josh Harris is, like, behind the scenes probably going, no leaks, no leaks, no leaks, no leaks. Like, he's not getting in front of people threatening that, whatever. There's a flow of information. Um, he hires people that he can trust. Those people don't respond to reporters um, or don't give them anything. And what gets out gets out. But ultimately, you you get no no major leakage as opposed to like someone like Snyder was obsessed with leaks because he's obsessed with the media and obsessed with narratives and stuff gets leaked all the time um, because you hire people that can't keep their mouth shut. So it just shows like substance over style is the way to go to actually achieve that kind of goal. But I don't, I don't know that Josh Harris cares what particularly gets out about this. It's just like you, you go, you do the job, people are quiet and then you make the move. Like Bob Myers thing, no rumors, no rumblings, Rick Spielman, like that came out of nowhere. Um, Obviously we knew that Peter's, uh, and Cunningham were interviewing. They, those are that's that's easy like that's easy work for a reporter. And then they had the two finalists, and everybody had the same information at the same time. And then they made the hire, and bang, 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 it was done. So I'm going to say it's not about running a tight ship. They run a professional ship over there. Yeah, and that's what that's what I got uh, the feeling of when you know we got the the Bob Myers news and things of that nature, like. Had this been a previous regime, you know, I, I think we would have, you know, heard about it. There would have been rumblings. There would have been something out there already. And I just think, you know, the the way Josh Harris and, and crew have gone about it, they've just been super strategic in how they've, you know, wanted to do this process. And to me, I love it. I love, you know, yeah. breaking news. I don't want to, you know, speculate this, speculate that. I think everything that they're, th- that they're doing is super calculated and – and I think we're going to appreciate it. 
I also think that it's a small ship right now. It's yep. a professional ship that's not run by a lot of people. And mm-hmm. the less mouths there are to, to blab, the less mouths there are to blab. So the, le- the less ears, the less mouths, if you will. And so there just aren't a lot of people in that circle right now. And obviously they're hiring out. And I would imagine eventually like more stuff comes out and it, it kind of there's a, there's a more normal news cycle relationship, if you will. The more people you get in as you get back into football stuff, like eventually there's just a ton of coaches and you know people with relationships and stuff gets out. But like on this high level stuff, it's Josh. It's you know Mitchell Rails ain't talking to anybody at the freaking whatever. He's not talking to me. He's not talking to the Washington Post. He's not talking to ESPN. He's not talking to anybody. He's unless he's saying hi at, at a thing and he's not giving you information. Um, so like Mitchell Rails ain't blabbing. Magic Johnson's not talking to anybody. Um, you know like. Good luck getting that phone number, you know, and other people whose numbers maybe are a little more gettable. They ain't saying anything. So there's that. Uh, quickly, the Raiders did the right thing today, and they did it a couple years after they probably did the wrong thing. Um, they screwed up the Rich Passaccia thing, um, and maybe maybe they didn't. You know, I think sometimes we judge too much on results. And it's like, maybe going with Richard Passaccio wasn't the right thing. Going with Josh McDaniels was definitely the wrong thing. That guy as a head coach stinks. But they they take the interim coach that everybody loves, that did a great job, that navigated difficult circumstances, and they hire him. And I think Mark Davis probably was just like, look, if this is wrong, then at least I did what everybody wanted this time. But also, I think Pierce is worthy of the job. Um, Pierce, uh, today hired as the, or is agreeing right now to terms on a multi-year deal to become the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, remove the interim tag. And I think it's great because, you know, he's a former player, but not a former quarterback, um, a, a position in linebacker that hasn't always been thought of as, as a future head coach, but we see it with D'Amico, um, especially those middle linebackers really, you know, have to know ball and, uh, Pierce helped coordinate and, and organize a top five defense from the moment that he took over. They're a mess on offense. They got to figure that out. But I'd, I'd like to be a mess with Devontae Adams to play with um, if you're if you're trying to find a quarterback. But they, they got to figure that out. I don't think Aiden O'Connell's their guy long term. But I, I think that ultimately what you want from a head coach is leadership, vision, strategy, energy. Antonio Pierce has all those things. And is he going to be more of a CEO head coach than, than someone like, you know, McVay or, or Kyle or, you know, if Ben Johnson gets hired? Yeah, probably. Um, but he could maybe take on the D'Amico Ryan's role of, of kind of being the DC, kind of doing the same thing. Brandon Staley, what he did in LA, obviously one example of something's working, one example of one that didn't, uh, you don't have to be the coordinator, but I think the good thing is he's already got it figured out. He did it last year. He got to do it on a trial basis, and he proved he could do it, and it would work. So he understands exactly what he's going to be as a head coach. He's going to hopefully, for his sake, understand the people he needs to hire around him and keep around him uh, and replace with high-quality people when they, if they get jobs in the future to ensure that he can be everything that, that maximizes his ability as a head coach. And he's got a great organization out there, uh, seemingly with what they've built in Las Vegas. He's got great facilities, um, has obviously Devontae Adams and Max Crosby and, and some really high-level players. So congrats to Antonio Pierce uh, on, on earning that job. Um, and it really – the, the one thing that I'll say real quick before we get to Sim 20 minutes is 
Antonio Pierce getting this job today started with him standing up to Josh McDaniels. To be for he started with him being the type of leader that uh, every team needs. And Josh McDaniels wasn't it as the head coach. And Pierce was like, I refuse to, like, he could have just as easily sat back and just watched it all flame down like everybody else. And instead, he was the voice that stood up. And that's not always easy. And thankfully, uh, for the Raiders' sake, they they realized that McDaniels was the problem and not the guy speaking up, voicing the opinion of everyone else, and moved on. and, and, And now you see Pierce being rewarded with that head coaching job. All right, when we get back here on the Hoffman Show, what is uh, it like to, to cover Ben Johnson every day? Tim Twentyman uh, from Lions.com joins us, and he will tell us more about the potential future head coach of the Commanders, who is interviewing today. That's next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We are streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980, and it is time in all of those places because, well, it's the same show everywhere for Not My Beat. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. Today, we go to Detroit where they are preparing for their second straight home playoff game, which is awesome. And we're excited about for the city of Detroit. However, we are, if we're being honest, with Lions senior writer Tim Twentyman, more interested in their offensive coordinator who was interviewing tonight via Zoom for the commander's head coaching job. Tim, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for your time on a, on a busy Friday. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. So uh, I guess the, the first place we should start is this. Why is Ben Johnson everyone's favorite head coach candidate? Well, I mean, you just look at the job he's done with Detroit's offense the last two years, and, and specifically the job he he's done with with Jared Goff. You know, I give uh, Ben a lot of credit. You know, when he was named the offensive coordinator before last season, you know, he could have said, "Look, this is what I do. These are my principles. This is my offense. These are my concepts, and you know, everybody fit in." But that's not what he did. He invited Jared Goff in, and those two sat down and said, "All right, Jared, let, let's look at things that you do well. What do you like? What don't you like?" Now, obviously, Ben's got some principles. He's gonna, you know, just want to be a part of his offense. But um, they built that thing around what the quarterback does well, and I think that's, um, you know, that was a recipe for success. It allowed Jared to take ownership of the offense. He's obviously very comfortable in it. You look at his performance the last two years, Pro Bowl caliber. Um, you know, level at quarterback. And you look at this offense and they rank the top five in every major statistical category on offense. So, um, look, they're versatile. They can run the ball. They can throw it. Um, you stop one, it, it doesn't phase them. Um, he's very creative. He sets plays up. Um, and I think it's just uh, the last two years, um, he has shown that he's one of the, the, the brightest young minds in the NFL in terms of uh, offensive football. That sums it up. All right. Thanks, Tim. That's all. I mean, it really is, though. Like, that, that is just what you, you see if you watch the tape. Um, everything you hear about him is great. Um, and I want to get to kind of who he is behind the scenes in a second. But let's double-click on the golf relationship because I think that's the one that makes him so intriguing to so many Commanders fans is that we assume that whoever they get at quarterback will not be 
Patrick Mahomes, uh, former Tom Brady, Peyton Manning type, even Joe Burrow, you know, your top guy who could kind of play for anyone. It's going to be more on the golf level where you get someone who's probably pretty talented at the number two pick in the draft, but is going to need the right coach to develop them. So what has that relationship been like? Because we've seen golf absolutely flourish there in Detroit. Yeah, it, 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 it's been a terrific relationship. I mean, you just ask Goff, and, and he couldn't say more glowing things about um, Ben Johnson. Um, and again, you know, I think if you're Washington, and if that's where it ends up, um, you know, you get a young quarterback. It's just what I said about what he did with golf. He's going to sit down, and they're going to go over the tape, and they're going to look at exactly what he does well, what he doesn't do well. And he's going to tailor an offense um, to, to, to make sure that he gets the most out of that quarterback position. We all know that's the most important position in football. You can't win without having one, and you can't, have, you can't win without having one that's playing well. And I think just Ben's track record, um, even when he was an you know, assistant coach, is it, just getting the best out of um, the guys in his room. And, um, you know, he, Jared loves him. Jared can't say enough great things about him. They have a terrific relationship. It's like they can finish each other's sentences. Um, they speak the same language in terms of the offense, how they see the game, what they're seeing on tape. And it's been a terrific relationship that's really benefited both guys and obviously the Detroit Lions. Yeah, uh, without a doubt, Tim Twentyman is with us, senior writer for the Lions, uh, preparing for the playoff game this weekend, which we will talk about in just a second. But I uh, wanted to pick his brain on Ben Johnson on the day that Johnson has his virtual interview with the Commanders. Um, you also mentioned there's kind of some principles that, you know, like, no, these are my things. What What are the things that Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator, offensive mind, believes in that will carry him or carry with him no matter where he goes? Yeah, versatility for one. I mean, you just go back to the Week 6 game against Tampa Bay, this matchup that we're going to see um, on Sunday at Ford Field. That happened in Tampa. And, and look, Tampa um, does a great job with run defense. They're one of the top run defensive teams in the in, um, in, in the NFL. And those Lions didn't have Jameer Gibbs for that game. David Montgomery got hurt after six carries in the second quarter. And the run game really just wasn't you know going like, like maybe Ben would want. And so what do they do? They put it in Jared Goff's hands. He throws for 353 yards, two touchdowns, and they went it that way. And I think that's the, the thing that you love about Ben is you take one thing away, um, you know, he, 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 he that's not going to be just the one thing that he set up, that, that that's the go-to. I think the, the fact that the Lions are top five in passing and top five in rushing, they can hit you both ways. Look, they can run inside, they can run outside. There's really nothing they can't do offensively. And that's what you have to love about Ben. That's how he's going to set it up is, you know, he's always going to have a, a counter to your punch. And, and um, you know, that's, that's huge. Uh, when you're talking game plans and matchups for, you know, a weekly contest. In terms of kind of how the roster is set up and the way they play, I mean, one thing that I love about what Detroit has done is, like, it starts with, if you let us, we will run the football through your face. And then if you mm -hmm. are silly enough to, to actually – dedicate too many resources to that that's when we're going to hit you with the pass game and you know he takes advantage of every blade of grass i mean i do a podcast uh with logan paulson who played for kyle shanahan and, and logan watches the tape and just can't believe that ben didn't coach under kyle because of how similar the the thought <laughs> processes seem to be um which is a hundred percent a compliment to ben johnson um but also i would i would ask because he is an oc that came in under dan campbell who's an offensive-minded head coach like how much of that running the football and kind of toughness mentality that they bring and that grit to use the word that is the, the catchphrase up there is something that you can draw back to Johnson versus 
Campbell and, and even Brad Holmes, the GM, who's also done a phenomenal job in rebuilding this Lions team. Yeah, you know, it's very much Campbell's offense, too. You have to remember, he was in New Orleans under Sean Payton for five years as the assistant head coach before he came to Detroit. So but they played pretty good football there for, for a long stretch in sure. New Orleans, too. And with Alvin Kamara, it was kind of that same thing, right? They were able to run at you. But if you, you know, focus, if you put six in the box, you know, seven in the box, then um, Drew Brees and, and those wide receivers and would pick you apart. It's very much this, this, the same thing here. But, um, look, Dan Campbell was the play caller. Um, when Ben Johnson was the pass game coordinator. So, you know, they obviously worked very closely together. Um, but, but Ben has always talked about, too, um, you know, running the football is really key to him. You know, I think what he's able to do in the, the outside zone, the inside stuff, and then with play action, I think that's really when, when the Detroit Lions are able to run the football early. And now you put the play action stuff and some of the concepts and route trees that he's put together, some of the trick plays, the flea flicker that they've used a, a ton here, I think if you get the run going that that's what ben wants to do and i think if if you're able to do that it opens up his entire playbook and that's how they want to operate so you know look it's certainly you know dan with the toughness and and running the football that's what he's about and that's how they built this offense to to kind of uh, mirror that But, but it's also very much a part of ben's philosophy and principles as well too I think that's probably music to a lot of Commanders fans' ears because the whole appeal of this job is it's a blank slate. So understanding how someone's going to build it uh, is obviously pretty important to us down here in D.C. Obviously, the most important thing for you guys, though, in Detroit is Tim Twentyman, uh, the senior writer for the Lions, is with us. Uh, this weekend is this playoff game against the Buccaneers. Um, as you mentioned, they matched up already once this year. Uh, it was kind of a different game for the Lions, going super pass-heavy. How do you think uh, they, they approach it this weekend in terms of anticipating what adjustments Tampa will try to make to make the result different this time around? Yeah, at home, I think they're going to want to establish a run a little bit more than they were able to there. They're going to have Jameer Gibbs, like you talked about. He wasn't available because of a hamstring injury that first time around. They have a healthy David Montgomery. You know, that's, you know, arguably the best running back duel in the league right now, running behind arguably a top three offensive line. So that's where everything starts. I think that's what they'll want to do. I'm sure Tampa Bay will come in and, and, um, you know, try to stop that um, like they did pretty successfully um, in week six. Um, but just having your horses back, I think that's advantage lines. Obviously on the fast track at home in that kind of environment, I think is going to be great for them too. And, you know, one other storyline in this game too is, you know, not having Jameer, um, you know, losing Montgomery early, but they also didn't have their left guard, Jonah Jackson. Uh, Brian Branch, their terrific nickel cornerback, didn't play in the first game. C.J. Gardner-Johnson was hurt, didn't play in the first game. So the Lions are getting a lot of reinforcements back that they didn't have in that week six six uh, game that they won 20-6 to six and, and played really well. Yeah, and last thing for you, Tim. You know, obviously this Lions team in Detroit as a city, they hadn't had a home playoff game in forever. Uh, that's well documented. Now all of a sudden, because the Cowboys lose, you got two in a row and you're facing – uh, you know, one of the, the lower seeds in the playoffs here is, is the six seed Tampa or sorry, not the six seed, but, you know, Tampa's coming Four, to town as, yeah. as a as a, you know, a record wise. They would have been a lot lower uh, if they weren't the yeah, NFC right. South divisional champion. So, uh, you know, a, a lower seeded team that that expectations aren't super high for. I'll put it that way. Um, what is the expectation now in Detroit? Like if they win, what does it mean? And if it does go sideways this weekend, like. Is this all of a sudden not a successful season, or will this team has this team already secured being looked back fondly, no matter what happens from here? 
Yeah, to me, after coming off nine and eight last year, where they finished eight and two, and and it really came down to the last day, decide if they were going to be in the playoffs or not. I think the goal all the way back in the spring, and I think the goal for everyone involved was win the division, win the NFC North, and you know get a home playoff game and then win a playoff game. And I think if, if they did that, um, then it was successful. Um, now, you know, obviously, you've got you know bigger goals ahead, and everybody's going to be a Green Bay Packer fan on Saturday because if they end up beating uh, San Francisco, now you get the Packers at home in the NFC Championship game and I can't even begin to imagine what that atmosphere would be like in Detroit if, if that was the case but look yeah I, I think it's a successful season even if they lose this week it'll obviously be very disappointing because you, you feel like you could have went farther but um, this is a young team the fourth youngest team in the league to be at this point so you know the, you look at all their stars all their core guys first second third year guys um, so I think they've established something that they can uh uh, continue going, you know, for 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 the foreseeable future, and you gotta love that if you're a Detroit Lions fan. But it's a successful season. There'd be disappointment. And certainly, you want more because I think it's right there uh, in the grass for them. No doubt. Um, very much looking forward to this game this weekend. Very much hoping uh, that whether it's that home game against the Packers or a trip to San Francisco, that there's at least one more game for the Lions uh, this year. It's such a fun team to watch. Tim, thanks so much for joining us uh, during a busy time for you and uh, wishing everybody in Detroit the best this weekend. Yeah, sounds good. Enjoy the games this weekend. All right, that is Tim Twentyman, everybody, senior writer for the Detroit Lions. You can read his work at Lions. Dot com. A lot of insight on Ben Johnson, a lot of insight on the game. We'll pick the games and break them all down starting at 5.30. We're with you till 6.15 tonight. Then Georgetown Hoops here on the team, 9.80. Uh, more reaction to what Tim said about Ben Johnson next, uh, including a call or two if you want to sneak one of those in 301-230-0980. On a football Friday presented Buy your local Honda dealer experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the team at 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We are coming to you live on a Football Friday presented by your local Honda dealer and reminding you that coming up on February 2nd, it's 106.7 The Fan versus the Team 980 Live. Your favorite DC Sports Radio hosts from the Fan and the Team 980 hit the stage together for a night of sports, debate, laughs, and behind-the-scenes stories. It's 106.7 The Fan versus the Team 980 Live Friday, February 2nd, at 8 p.m. at the Bethesda Theater. Uh, what will the commanders do in free agency? Who will they select with number two pick in the draft? All these kinds of hot questions. Plus, it's all off-air, on stage, and uncensored. So you get all kinds of behind-the-scenes stories for what goes down at these here radio stations. You can get your tickets today at BethesdaTheater.com, and it's presented by Main Street Bank. Cheer local, bank local. Put their team in your office. Visit MStreetBank.com for more information. Uh, Anthony, uh, the snow today, when you woke up and saw it, on a scale of, of 1 to 10, how upset were you? Uh... I had mixed reviews. One, I didn't have to go to my other job, so I was happy about that. Okay. Um, I got to, you know, lounge a little bit. I got to make breakfast, uh, kick my feet up, do some PT. 
But on the other side, I had to go outside in the snow and get all the snow off my car. And I did not have my brush, you know, the little brush that makes it easier to get the snow off. Yes. So I had to use my ice scalper or whatever it's called. Scraper. Scraper. And get all manually get all the snow off. So it took me like forever. Did you have an ice situation that you had to break through or was it just a bunch of snow that you had to scrape off with this scraper yeah with just a bunch of snow that does really suck did you so i'm very lucky now that we live in a building where i haven't had to i don't have to deal with it and my old building was actually even better like the garage we're in now has like gate is it's got gates on it Mm -hmm. and like the the walls are made of metal gates so it's open air but at least it's covered um, my old, our old apartment building, uh, was a, a underground garage. So it was like, <laughs> like I used to, when it was really cold, I would not even put on a jacket when I would come to work because I would walk out of our building, it's go to my garage. car underground, yep. drive to the office, park in the underground garage at the office and then come up and then come upstairs. And I never had to touch the outdoors. Well, lucky you. Great. Um, but when I lived in Reston for all those years, which is most of my time in DC from 2015 to 2021, um, I just lived in a townhome with like street parking out front and yeah, lots. And, and I was training at like seven in the morning. So I would get up. The first thing I would do in the morning was go down, start my car. First thing, just start my car. And I'm like, I will deal with brush it and like start the, the, not, not the humidifier, but like the, the defroster on the car and just hope that the snow would kind of melt off pretty easy. Um, and that the car would be warm by the time I got in it 20 minutes later to drive to work. But that was, I do not miss those days. I'll put it that way. I remember thinking when I move from here, I'm moving somewhere with a garage, whether that is me moving to another home, whether it's an apartment building, whether it's whatever, I'm moving to a place with a garage. I never want to have to scrape ice off my car again. It's terrible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there, there are pros and cons to it. Also, <laughs> actually, I thought it was going to take me longer to get to the station than it did. There weren't a lot of cars on the road. No. So... But it's it's scary out there. We were talking yeah. to uh, I was talking to my guy David this morning um, before we we worked out, and he was like, "Yeah, like I got lucky because I went to go stop, and my car just skidded. And thank God, like I didn't skid into anybody, and there were no cars parked where I skidded. But like in DC specifically, I, yeah. I'm sure it was better on like some of the like the Beltway and stuff. Yeah, um, the Beltway. Yep. But like within the district, on a no, lot of I mean, we're talking about like on 14th Street." Um, and, and 16th street, like some of the main arteries in the city is pretty slushy and slidey this morning. Yep. I almost ate it like five times walking home, like three block walk. And I was like, hup, hup. yikes, not a good time, not, not a good all. time. And like, we're walking to work out and I realized that I didn't bring a pair of dry socks. Ow. And I also don't have boots anymore, bro. I, See, that's I used the to thing like. When I came, when I was in Syracuse, I was prepared. I of had course. everything: boots, coat, I got a great uh, coat. brush. I got, I got gloves. I got good everything. beauty selection. Hat. But I, I threw out my Tims a couple of years ago because they just didn't like. I think they had gotten wet and dried and wet and dried so many times that they shrunk. Oh man! So I just whatever the or I just my foot grew from the time I was in college or I bought I 
bought a size too small in college and was too stubborn to ever get a different pair. And eventually I became an adult and was like, you know, I don't have to smush my foot in these anymore. Nope. Um, and so I threw them out and I was literally on the, like the Nike app this morning. I was like, what if I just got a pair of Nike boots? Mm. Well, they would be proud. Yes. Nike boots are definitely a staple in the DC community. That is what I will say. I myself don't own any, but I you own Tim's because you went to Syracuse. Yes. Definitely yeah, got some Tim's. The that's like part of the uniform up there. Yep. And it ain't because we think it looks cool. <laughs> I wear joints, them because they look cool. I mean, they do look cool, but like them joints also keep your feet dry. Yes. Which is really what we're talking about here. Um, all right. So I think, I think we need, we need a weather expert to tell us, do I need to buy boots or are we getting our snow out of our system and I'm good till next year? That's what I need to or know. Or the next like two. I don't know if we got snow last year. That's, That's how the thing. Unprepared like, I was. I don't want to go spend a hundred something dollars on boots if I'm going to wear them once. Like I'll deal with it once or twice. Yeah. If I'm going to have four more snows this season, and that's how it's going to be regularly moving forward, uh-huh. I need to get some boots. Yeah. So, expeditiously. Expeditiously. Uh, all right, it's the Hoffman Show. We talk about sports and sometimes weather here on the Team 980, always live as well, in the free Odyssey app. We try not to step on Sheehan's department, though. We know the weather is, is his deal. Uh, our deal, picking games at 530 on Friday. Uh, we will break down each and every NFL playoff game analysis and picks. That is how we wrap up in the final 45 minutes, the next half hour of it, uh, here it's dedicated to the NFL playoffs on the Hoffman Show. Normally, if you hear this uh, song on a Friday, it means Clinton Yates is about to join us. Uh, he sends his apologies. Can't make the show today. Got a lot going on, but should be back with us next week with a shortened show, though. We got plenty to do, including our NFL picks here on the Team 980. Again, if you ever miss any part of the show, you can check it out on demand anytime, anywhere. Maybe Clinton will do that today. He's very, very busy, but he always likes to check out the show. So what he's going to do is going to download the Hoffman Show podcast on his favorite podcast app. You can do the same on yours, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, whatever it is. Perhaps just go ahead, the same place you listen live on the free Odyssey app. Our podcast lives there as well. Uh, the video's on YouTube, but the audio uh, makes it nice and easy. And Anthony, uh, tell the folks about the new thing that we got with the podcast, the new the new version of the podcast you uh, you put together every day. Not oh, just a little bit. Are you talking about the full show? I am. Yes, I upload the full show at the end of every day. It is titled Full Show, the day <laughs> of the week, and then the day's date. Yes, uh, and why is that good? Because if you miss the full show, it's right there. Not multiple podcasts you got to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're like, ah, I know that they did that kind of halfway through the show, that thing that I heard about. I don't want to have to hunt for it and that. It's actually been our most downloaded shows the last couple of days. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's great because, I mean, look, we love our advertisers. Yeah. Uh, and there are commercials in the podcast. But, you know, you got more control. I'll put it that way. You know, right now, if you're like, hey, man, we came for the NFL picks. I know you got to talk about your podcast. You know you got to take care of the housekeeping things on your radio show. You could have just hit the 15-second forward button until we you hear the NFL music, and then you'd be like, ah, they're in the picks. Now's my time. So, you know, you got that going for you, which is nice. Anthony, I think that means we should probably hit the NFL music now. Yes. Yes, indeed. All right, we'll go chronologically. Last week, uh, Vic was in for Anthony, on, uh, so he's got a record. Uh, he's not going to send his picks. Vic will retire this postseason, uh, barring any future need for substitution for Anthony. 
at three and three. Anthony went two and four. I went four and two on the pick side of it. We got four games this weekend. But Anthony, I will say, what was what was the the regular season difference? Like, what, uh, what did we finish the regular season? Okay, at, so yeah, so you finished nine games uh, ahead of me. Let me turn this down a little bit. You finished nine games ahead of me. I did include Wild Card Weekend. Uh, so right now, as it stands, you have an 11-game lead over me. You went 175-99, and I won 164-110. and You so didn't even get to 100 myths games. It's pretty impressive, I, right? Thank you. Um, so by my math, there are four games this weekend, two the next weekend, one Super Bowl. That is seven games remaining. I have a nine-game lead. Anthony, that means I've clinched the picks championship again for the 2024 or 2023-2024 season. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to dethrone you. Maybe I need to No, I'm telling you mathematically I you can't. Oh yeah, not 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 this year, next year. Yeah, That's next, what I was, next year we you can I was start planning ahead. now for yeah. doing better coming up with a different strategy like picking the correct team that's going to win. Yeah. Um but I just like to say I'd like to thank uh bad bad spreads for some key wins. Uh, a public that's on the wrong side, Kevin Sheehan for informing me of that strategy, and definitely got some smelly fish. You, you other other intuition of knowing football. That's that's who I'd like to thank. And with that, let's see if we can close strong. Texans and Ravens, Baltimore nine and a half point favorites at home up at M&T Bank Stadium. C.J. Stroud and company coming off their ginormous win on Wild Card Weekend, but the Ravens have been the ultimate buzzsaw all year long. They have destroyed essentially all comers. I will say this Texans team does not care. They are young. They are scrappy. They are fearless. I also think they're not good enough. Give me the Baltimore Ravens, especially at home. Yeah, I'm definitely going with the Ravens as well. Even though they will be without Marlon Humphrey, um, he's a key piece in the back end of their defense. Uh, but I still just think they have just too much, um, too much Lamar. The defense is, is as stout as you know any defense in the league. Um, yeah, I, I'm their going with the experience. Their defense is fascinating. Guys. To me, like obviously McDonald's a great coordinator and it's why he's getting looked at for head coach jobs around the NFL right now. But mm -hmm. I, I think the thing that's I don't know, cool, whatever the word is about their defense is the linebacker position has been devalued. Right. And part of the reason it's been devalued is not because it's actually not important. It's because playing linebacker in the NFL is so freaking hard that almost nobody does it well. So you're better off trying to get great corners, great safeties, great defensive front players, and hoping you kind of get lucky, a la the Colts with Zaire Franklin and linebacker, and Z's obviously a game changer for them. But like scouting him, nightmare. Is why he's you know why his draft position was what it was, right? Uh, in hindsight, Z's a first or second round pick, second round pick at absolute worst. Um, but if if you're like redoing that draft, but realistically the production and the stuff you need from linebackers is easier to find and, and to really excel at that position like a Fred Warner or a Roquan Smith or a Patrick Queen is extremely difficult. And what the Ravens did was go, 
that's great. We know that if we get it right, that it, it's the ultimate game changer. I mean, there's no it's it's no mistake that the defenses that are thriving that are left in this playoffs have great linebacker play. Queen and, and Roquan in Baltimore, Warner and Greenlaw in San Francisco. Um, you look at what the Lions did in drafting Jack Campbell, overdrafted. But, like, they knew if he's the right guy, he can make everyone around him better. And so I, I think that it was a cool embrace. And they were very smart with who they targeted, unlike what Washington did when they drafted Jamin in the first round years ago and just kind of fell in love with the physical talent. Um, and that has made them what they are defensively. So how does that match up with C.J. Stroud? We'll see. Um, that Texans running game, we'll see. Can Sloak manipulate those guys? We'll see. But ultimately, I think Baltimore probably uh, is going to take this thing home. Yeah, I agree, man. <laughs> I agree for everything you, think, you just said. Do you think they cover? The Texans? Nine and a half. It's a, I think it's a playoff game, man. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I feel as though every team – or majority of the teams that the the Ravens have played, they've dominated. So I could definitely see them going out there. I think they do. I, I think I the Ravens. I, I like the Ravens covering. I yeah, like, no, I, I, I could see them pulling away at the end. I think this yeah. will be a close game for a little bit. I don't know if it's a blowout from go, no. but I do think eventually the Ravens pull away. I think the night game, uh, both number one seeds playing on Saturday. That game is. 4.30 on ESPN, ABC, and ESPN+. Plus. 8.15 Saturday night on Fox. You got Packers and 49ers. I think this one could get ugly early. I think San Francisco mm. wins in a land, not in a landslide, but like I think San Francisco wins scoring 35-plus points. The weather is not going to be a factor here. It's going to be partly cloudy and 62 degrees in San Francisco. And I, I think that, like, I know, I know they were up by a lot, and you don't want to read too much into, hey, they were up by a lot um, you know, defensively for the Packers, then they gave up a ton of points. But they did ultimately give up a lot of stuff last week to Dallas. It took Dallas a long time to get going, but I feel like that had a lot more to do with Dallas than it did Green Bay. I think the San Francisco offense can put up a lot of points on this Packers defense. The Packers' uh, offense is good, but they will have a better plan than than Dallas did, and they are better built to defend it. They have more stars and playmakers all over the place. The pass rush is, is probably better suited to go up against this Green Bay offense. And obviously, Kyle knows this offense really well, uh, as do uh, as does Steve Wilkes going against it in practice every day. So um, it's very similar, obviously, what they do in Green Bay and San Francisco. So I just think San Francisco's got way too much talent, and I think Joe Barry's defense is going to be the demise of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, great run, proud of their season, dangerous team moving forward. Not winning this one, in my humble opinion. Uh, I agree with you. I think the success that the Green Bay Packers had on the ground last week against Dallas was due to Dallas's lack thereof of linebacker play You that we were just talking about, you know, with the Roquans and the Patrick Queens of the world. You have to, in the playoffs, and we were talking to Z about it yesterday, you have to be able to, you know, stop the run. And I think the 49ers, they have what it takes. And having a guy like Fred Warner also makes it a lot easier on um, on the defense as a whole. And I think the Packers can really only get off if they establish the run 
uh, and allowed that to be able to set up the pass. And I think they're just going to have so much trouble um, getting the run going. So I could I could see this one also getting out of hand, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close early, and then uh, I think um, the 49ers will be able to pull away because the Packers will be have to will have to drop back, and I don't think that's their uh, their forte. Yeah, I mean, good luck also running it in the way that like Dallas was pretty easy to run on. San Francisco, not so much. Pro Bowl, um, they have too many Pro Bowlers also on the defensive front. Because Javon, everywhere. I think he's a Pro Bowler, and then you got Nick Bosa. They just have so much talent. All and their over. linebackers are fast and murder you. Yep, like. Aaron Jones gonna get smacked a couple times. He'll get back <laughs> up and he'll he'll deliver a blow too. Yeah. Aaron Jones is a good, really good football player, but um, if they have Dylan this week, that would be very helpful to have kind of the, the ability to rotate those guys. Dylan mm-hmm. a bit more of a bruiser, but you know, I, I think the the game flow thing that you said is is correct as well. Um, you know, how many games has Jordan Love had been sixteen of nineteen with three touchdown passes and three hundred yards? A lot. They don't want to pass the ball thirty times. It's not how they win. All right, Sunday, 3 p.m., Buccaneers-Lions in Detroit. Lions favored by six and a half. A lot of smack talk back and forth this week. C.J. Gardner-Johnson not knowing who the Bucks receivers are. Baker Mayfield saying, hey, dude, you might want to watch some more tape. Uh, that dude doesn't play for us anymore. Uh, but by and large, I do think the Detroit Lions are a better team. They already beat them once this year. Um, and as Tim Twentyman joined us earlier from Detroit and reminded us, they did that without a lot of their best players. Goff, unbelievable year, 4,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, 12 picks. I mean, they just have so many weapons, for, and they know how to use them. Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Reynolds has been or was awesome last week. Um, they just have too many guys, and their offensive line is, is great. I think the Bucks' defensive line presents a really interesting challenge. But I think at the end of the day, like Detroit will be able to find a way, even if it takes them a second, to pull away and, and set up what I think will be an epic showdown between them and the 49ers on championship weekend. This one, I'm torn. Ah, part of me really wants to see the Buccaneers go out here and win. I, I think they're the, obviously they're the Cinderella of everybody that is left remaining in the, uh, the playoffs right now. Um, they're definitely being overlooked by everybody. They're coming in as the underdogs in most of these situations. Redemption for the NFC South, says Anthony. Can they do it? Ah, I don't think they can. I, I would love for them to go out there and win, but I just think it's going to be too much golf, too much Amon Raw, too much Jameer Gibbs. I just think what, what, what the Lions have on the offensive side of the ball is just going to be too much to withstand um, from Todd Bowles and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Even though they did get home a lot last week against Jalen Hurts, I just think Ben Johnson, he's going to be able to draw stuff up to get Jared, the ball out of Jared Goff's hand, and that's what he's done all season. So I think just too much uh, offense for the Bucks. I mean, yeah, too much offense. Yeah, I, I think Laporta's big in this game because, you know, Tampa does have some good corners, et cetera. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, can you get the, the, the matchup nightmare in Laporta going then you have to dedicate extra resources to him then your run game gets going like manipulation of how tampa um deploys their safeties now they have some of the best safeties in the league specifically antoine winfield jr mm-hmm. um so it's it's an interesting matchup tampa can win this game like don't get it twisted tampa at their best is really dangerous um but i think this is like there's a couple factors here detroit does have both coordinators interviewing. And sometimes, you know, some people in the league think sometimes that gets in the way. 
Like, are is your attention split? Is Ben Johnson's attention split? Is Aaron Glenn's attention split? And I think this is a huge game for Aaron Glenn. Like, can you heat up Baker? Can you generate some turnovers? Um, do you have an answer for Mike Evans? Kate Otten's a, a pretty talented tight end. So I, there are questions to be answered, but also Baker's been on a heater, and is it Baker going to continue the heater, or is Baker going to come back crashing down mm. with a law of averages game and, and Detroit wins this by 20? I think every possibility is pretty much on the table. Atmosphere, by the way, is going to be electric. Not that I think Tampa's mature enough to handle it, but that is going to be a fun game to watch on Sunday afternoon. And then the nightcap, Chiefs and Bills, because, of course, it's Man. Chiefs and Bills. This time the Bengals aren't waiting somewhere in the wings, um, as has been the case for seemingly the last five years. Some combination of those three teams. But the Chiefs coming off a game, I mean, these two teams both coming off frigid cold games. It's going to be cold again, this time a balmy 20 degrees in Orchard Park. But it's a 6.30 kickoff, so it's probably going to get colder there in western New York as the game goes. And, you know, this game might really just come down to, like, which receiving group catches the ball better. And, you know, sometimes it's the the fundamentals, the blocking, the tackling, the throwing, and the catching, Anthony. And if Rashi Rice and Travis Kelsey and – uh, you know, Kadarius Tony and, and whoever else uh, it, it's getting footballs from Patrick Mahomes can just catch the freaking thing. Chiefs got a chance. Uh, same thing on the other side. Bills have had problems at times this year catching the ball from Josh Allen, although not lately as they've been on a tear down the stretch. I think the other interesting thing matchup wise, Bills are without Gabe Davis. He was ruled out. He's their big X receiver. He takes care of a lot of dirty work and is obviously a huge, big play threat. Is his absence enough with how good the Chiefs defense is to turn this game back in Kansas City's favor on the road? I was literally just looking at that. You have Stephon Diggs, of course. You have your two tight ends, Dawson Knox, uh, Dalton Kincaid. And then you have Shakir. Is, it, is, is that your second best? Rec- <laughs> is that who you're leaning on? I mean, they're going to uh, lean on Josh Allen, his legs, and you know the fact that he can make anyone serviceable. But yeah, that's kind of what you're looking at: Khalil Shakir, Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy, who's a obviously phenomenal punt returner. But I think they'll probably get into two tight end looks a lot. Like they'll just they'll say, "Hey, you know, it's it's Diggs, it's I think it's, it's Cook. I, I, th- Cook, I think I th- it's yeah. I think he's going to be the X factor." Uh, um. In this game, and the the last time these two teams played, he went off. He he was uh, very useful out of the backfield. Um, and then also, I think as of late, we've been seeing a lot more James Cook. And I think Josh Allen and you know uh, McDermott, they've understood that. Yes, you have Josh Allen, but you're you're going to be even stronger if you have a run game. And I think lately they've been utilizing uh, James Cook, and he's you know he he showed up and he's produced. So I think if they can establish him early and often, get him uh, some touches, I think that'll bow well. But I think definitely think but that's uh, the tough two- because like good luck running at Chris Jones, bro. Good luck running at him, Nick Bolton. Like they're yeah. stout on the the defensive they're side great. for the Chiefs. So and they're it's fifty fifty man. Pretty healthy. It's it's fifty um, fifty. Derek Nadi, their their defensive tackle is out. Uh, the guy who plays opposite of Chris Jones inside, um, but. Other than that, they're pretty healthy. Taylor Rapp is also out for Buffalo. I think Kansas City gets in a lot of two tight end stuff too, and it's like, you know, okay, you, you're without one of your 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 third safety who's really important for them, kind of a mm-hmm. Buffalo nickel 
kind of role. So, um, you know, you get Pacheco out there with Rice and, and Watson and then two tight ends, Kelsey, Noah Gray, and, and you go from there and, and you can run out of that. You can pass out of that. Like there's a lot of different options and, you know, Pacheco, Edwards, Alaire, like these guys have been there, done that in the playoffs. And I think, I think you're going to see a more run heavy Kansas city team and then try to hit some stuff off of play action. And without Matt Milano, without rap, like some of their, their guys, like, I think this is a really like, that's the plan. That's the way forward for Kansas city. The problem is, Josh Allen is playing out of his mind. And I kind of feel like this is the year that Buffalo finally does it. The vibes have been just slightly (laughs) off in Kansas city all year. They've never quite gotten the offensive thing figured out. I'm still not convinced that they did last week, even though they, they, you know, put up some points against Miami. I think that had a lot to do with Miami and Buffalo's at home. I'm going to, I hate this. I hate picking. It is 50, 50, Craig. I, I like Every fiber of my being <laughs> hates, hates picking against the Chiefs mm-hmm. because I'm picking against the guy who's better at playing quarterback than anyone I've ever seen play quarterback. And that's not me saying he's the best ever, but he's legitimately on the way. I think he pa- like if he wins this game, he has more playoff wins before 30 than Brady did. Patrick Mahomes, I don't think, is 29 years old. I don't think, like, this is his last shot before he turns 30. Let me double-check that real quick. But Patrick Mahomes is 28. He'll be 29 in next year's playoffs. And if he wins this year or this this game, he's got more playoff wins than Brady did before 30. This dude is the best guy I've ever seen play quarterback. And picking against him feels stupid every time especially in the playoffs, but I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills. You're picking the Bills. I'm torn too, Craig. I'm torn too. I don't even think it's necessarily going to come down to Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes, a lot of the the Chiefs wins have come. I already want to change my pick. Oh, already? Nah, don't come over here now because guess what, Craig? I'm going with the Chiefs. I'm going. I I was going to go opposite wherever you were going. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going with the Chiefs. Um, and I just think, again, they were literally a Kadarius Tony toe away from being the Bills earlier well, this season. That's also in my mind as like, that game was at Arrowhead. Yep. This one's at Buffalo. At, and I could, play, Buffalo. I could play the psychology both ways, right? I, I just, could say, hey, the, the Chiefs want to prove that that was, that was a stupid call and a stupid uh-huh. fluke and like yep. actually they're the better team. But I could say, hey, the Bills – the bill. If I'm if I'm Sean McDermott, I'm in that locker room. Like, you know what Andy Reid's over there saying right now? You know what Travis Kelsey's over there saying right now? Hey, we should we won that last game. They made a dumb call against us. Look, today we're gonna prove that we're better. And you wanna know what? Here's the sad thing that they don't know yet, but they're about to find out. We're better. Let's mm. go prove it. Ah! <laughs> Is that how you will break? Out they well no I was I had to I had to become I was an actor oh, okay, I had to okay. become the rest of the team all in one person yeah but that's what I that would be my pregame message is like they think they got screwed let's show them we're just straight up better and so you can play that game both ways but I'm gonna go Buffalo I'm even though every fiber of my being is telling me to switch the pick against I, the I pick against Mahomes last week and I always tell myself never pick against Mahomes I'm not doing it this week. Same, but if there's one guy who can, who's good, you know, 
Mahomes is more consistent, but the yeah. one dude who can actually maybe do some stuff that Patrick doesn't is, is Allen. Yep. Uh, and we'll see. He seems like he's on a mission uh, this latter half of the season. All right, those are the picks. That is the analysis, and that is almost our show. Uh, we have 15 minutes left in the program, 20 minutes left in the program, ahead of a 6.15 stop tonight. Georgetown hoops here on the team at 980. We wrap things up with a recap of the top story. Ben Johnson interviewing with the commanders today and real things, real people said into real microphones, including saying goodbye, but also hello to an American sporting legend. That is next on the team 980. The weekend is finally here. Yeah, it's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well, on the free Odyssey app. Uh, Super producer Anthony Haney getting us in the proper mood for the divisional playoff weekend. Uh, A weekend where we might hear some commanders coaching news, at least in terms of like rumors and directions. Uh, Our top story today that Ben Johnson is interviewing for the commander's job, the Lions offensive coordinator doing his virtual interview, possibly right now. I I do believe it's tonight um, after he's done his day job preparing the Lions for a divisional round playoff matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. Um, But there's not going to be a hire this weekend. Um, what's going to happen is Johnson, Raheem Morris, uh, Dan Quinn, whoever, whoever it is that ultimately makes the final cut. We don't know, um, who those people will be, but those, those candidates will make, uh, whoever makes the final cut will do in-person interviews once those are completed. And that candidate is done with their 2023 responsibilities then a hire will be made. And they will do that as fast as possible. It just, you know, if the Lions win, you have to wait till next weekend. Um, And they could probably make up their mind and then be ready if the Lions win and then lose the 49ers to to get Ben Johnson on a plane as quickly as possible here to Ashburn and and introduce him and then fly him down to the Senior Bowl the next, you know, that afternoon and have him go start scouting the quarterbacks down there in person. Um, It's going to be a quick turn. Um, you know, he's going to have to assemble his staff, but like, honestly, being in mobile is the place you want to be. Um, also, by the way, uh, speaking of mobile and the senior bowl next week on take command, Jim Nagy, the senior director of the senior bowl, former scout knows all the players so well, knows front office people, knows everyone. Like Jim is the freaking man. Um, he is the guy who organizes everything in the senior bowl. He's going to join us on take command, uh, a week ahead of the actual Senior Bowl festivities down there in Mobile. Uh, so we will have Jim on Take Command, and we'll play that interview for you here on the radio show as well. If you happen to miss it, uh, of course, you can just subscribe to Take Command or The Hoffman Show uh, on your favorite podcast app. Uh, other than that, uh, that's pretty much our show for today. Georgetown Hoops coming up at 6.15. Uh, Anthony, anything else from a housekeeping standpoint? Uh, and Monday, by the way, we didn't get a chance to do this uh, this past Monday because the commanders hired Adam Peters and, and you know, we had other things to talk about. We had the Peters press conference. Actually, it was on Tuesday. But uh, typically during the playoffs, we do first and 10, the, the same segment we do during the regular season where we give 10 observations from the commanders game. We just do it for the playoff games, which hopefully at some point 
maybe as soon as next year could start including some commanders games that would be sick uh then we just do it on the commanders game but uh we'll do our first and 10 on monday so make sure you don't miss the start of the show at 4 p.m uh but other than that any other housekeeping anthony to do before we uh dive into to real things here um i just want to let you know that next week we'll finally have a week's worth of shows oh we have to do five next week yeah we have to do five just well, wanted to, sorry you know, sorry reframe reframe we get to do five. Yes. I'm pumped for it. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, now, we don't have to do five that go to 7 o'clock because we got Maryland basketball and a couple of Wizards games. The Wizards, by the way, are home next week. By the way, the Wizards played well last night. Uh, went toe-to-toe with the Knicks. Marvin Bagley uh, is instantly one of the best players on the team. I don't man, know what that says he about. Had a day. Yeah. Uh, hey, a guy who can do big man stuff and get rebounds, that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um and they're not trying to really win, but like he's a Marvin Bagley's an NBA player, uh, and maybe even a decent NBA player. Is he a superstar that you're psyched you took the with the number two pick a couple years ago? No, which is why he's not. He's two teams at least later than uh, the team that took him with the number two pick. But he's a real NBA player. All right, uh, I promise saying goodbye to, and hello uh, to an American sporting legend. That is where we go first in real things, real people said into real microphones. Real things. We're not going to be f***ing this year. Real people. 5 and 11, not very good. Said into real microphones. You know, the culture is actually damn good. In the lore of American soccer, there are many names that you know, and probably some that you should know a little bit better. Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, certainly the two most famous names off the 2019 World Cup champions, but a, a player that was as essential to that run as anyone. Um, certainly in, in terms of the narrative, you know, Rapino's uh, whole arc throughout that tournament and the level at which she played is unmatched. Rose Lavelle, who was here in Washington with the Spirit uh, at the time, scored the goal to win the World Cup. She's obviously tremendously important. But if you really know the sport and watch that, that team in 2019, Nobody was more important than Samantha Mewis. Um, Sam announced her retirement today uh, in a heartfelt podcast appearance with our guy Roger Bennett at Men in Blazers, and very in a very cool way. Um, she and also announced we say goodbye to her as a player. Um, we say hello to her as a broadcaster. She's going to help Men in Blazers launch a new women's football coverage vertical, um, not just covering soccer here in the U.S. but worldwide, where it is women's soccer is just booming and it's great that more outlets are covering it but the reason i bring that up is not just because she's a player that i admire and in one of my favorite sports to watch and cover but because i thought that her emotional kind of goodbye message captured the thing that i love the most about sports the competition is amazing and the competition will always go on but if you played sports the moments that you have with your teammates the bonds that you build for life are wholly unique and i thought samantha described that that part that she'll miss beautifully i'll miss training on the grass with my teammates in the sun like i think there are just these like really like beautiful moments you have as a team where it's of course winning is like amazing but it's like the little things that i'm gonna miss i think that a lot of my best friends are still playing and like i always say this is so stupid but like me and rose used to like stay up late eating goldfish at camp 
And like, I I just feel like that's something. It's a, like a friendship. It's a a stupid thing that I shared with somebody that is like over now. Friendships aren't the same when they're not your teammate and you're not on the road and you're not staying up late. They're it's just a new like life now. And so I'll miss the soccer a lot. I like love the game and I always really have. But um, I miss being around my friends and like sharing those stupid moments where we would just laugh about something dumb. Because they're stupid, they're beautiful. And it, you can't explain them to anyone else that wasn't there. And sports create so many of those moments. And they, they happen as fans, but when you're in it, it's just different. Salute to Sam Mewis, you American legend. We'll see you Monday on The Hoffman Show.